the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's Tim DeMoss and the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for listening in. 402 AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com, what you're listening to. Forecast the rest of the afternoon. Some sun and clouds mixed together. Might get a shower in the mix. Uh, going down to 62 eventually this evening. Tomorrow, a bit cooler. High just 71. The mix of clouds and sun. Phillies lost to Colorado last night. Six in a row for them. Now slipped under the 500 mark to 78 and 79. They still have five games left in the season. Hoping to finish strong and at least come up with a winning record. They're at Colorado again tonight. Uh, this program has been going for several weeks now. And if you're new to it, one of the things we're hoping to do is build a bridge with our local community. We have national uh, figures, if you will, as well, but we think that there are a lot of really cool people and ministries and just everyday people right in the tri-state area. And so day by day, we're working on building those bridges and having folks on. And uh, let me let you know, coming up in maybe 10, 15 minutes, we're looking forward to Mark Martell joining us. He's been uh, in the Christian music world for many years with a band called Down Here. They won five Juno Awards. He's a great guy, very down-to-earth. In more recent times, he actually won uh, the right or whatever you, whatever he's hired to do the lead vocals for the Queen Extravaganza Tour, which has been out for the last five or six years. So we're going to chat with him about all those chapters in his life and, and God's work in and out of that. Uh, but before that, we want to go locally to Southampton, Pennsylvania uh, for a little quick chat with Matt Rosenfeld from Davisville Church. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? Excellent. Uh, you are the pastor of discipleship at Davisville, and uh, we've known each other for a number of years. And one of the things with this program, which is in its first month, we want to shine a spotlight on local ministries, including churches, just to raise some awareness so people know, oh, they're that, or maybe they've driven by Davisville and never went in. So I thought we'd go inside the walls of the building a little bit and let you share a bit about what Davisville's about. So uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the big thing for us right now is we have come through a season of change and at this point have identified and clearly articulated a new mission statement for our church, Okay, which is influencing people to fully follow Jesus. That's really what we want to be about in all that we do. That's a, that's a great foundation to build on. It's a, it's a church that it's active. Uh, if people go to your site, davisville.org, they'll see that. One of the cool you know, sliding pictures had to do with something called Breakout which looks like a, a really a, a kid-friendly, fun event on Wednesday nights. How does that work? Yeah, it's a night designed, again, for kids and really three primary elements where they, they come and gather to sing. They break off in age-appropriate classes for Bible exploratory lessons, and then there's some type of craft or a gym activity that the kids can participate in, and it's been a great program. We've seen a lot of kids from our community jumping into it. It's partnered well with our basketball program that we run called Reach Sports, which has about a 60% attendance rate of people outside of our church. Wow. And so we've seen a lot of people connecting to Breakout and being a part of that. It's a high-energy, fun night for kids. I know Davisville has uh, has that outreach mentality. Uh, maybe you could talk about Reach Sports for a minute. 
Yeah, absolutely. We we started a, a sports program about 12 years ago, and we actually partnered with a national program. But about two years ago, we decided we were going to start our own nonprofit hmm. and broke away from a national program, and we are now called Reach Sports. So it's a local nonprofit based here, kind of spawned off of the church. And the desire there is really to use sports as a platform to reach our community for the name of Jesus. And, and we've seen some significant growth in the past five years where we've We've gone from about 200 participants to, to closing in on 600 participants now in our basketball and cheerleading program. Wow. Wow. So what's the, the, the age range if someone's listening and they were like, I'd like my kid to be involved or at least investigated some. Is it elementary, Absolutely. elementary it's, school? Um, or kindergarten. We sneak a couple pre-Kers in there. Okay. Kindergarten through sixth grade is our primary audience. A participant, it's a great way to introduce kids to, to the game of basketball and we talk about our faith pretty openly in practices and, and before games with the kids. There's 10 practices, eight game days. It is gender separated, so it's all boys and all girls. Yeah. Mostly separated by grade as well because there's so many participants. When, what's the start time for that? Because, you know, basketball being a winter sport, we're getting closer. Basketball sometimes sneaks up on you before you know yeah. it, it's happening. Yeah, registration opens actually this Sunday on our website, reachsports.com. Wow. Okay. And, um, <laughs> You're not kidding. It is. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting rolling here, and okay. uh, we have our evaluations and uniform fittings in November, and then the season technically starts the first week of January when we get back for the new year. Matt Rosenfeld from Davisville Church in Southampton on with us. Davisville.org is their site. I know uh, for several years you had an outreach in the community as we were on that theme here for a moment, uh, reaching uh, families with special needs. And I used to come and play music, and you brought moon bounces and, and just made the whole day free to reach out and love on people in the community. And so maybe you could just speak a little bit what that was about and different other things you've tried, because you, you'd maybe try one thing for a while, try something else. What were they thinking at that time, and, and what do they do now? I guess Reach Sports is a big part of that still. Yeah, so we've always been committed to uh, community outreach, and I think it's something we're, we're seeking to get better at, though, over the years. And, and so as you've experienced in the past with Fun Day, we called it, uh, which was our outreach to families with children affected by different disabilities and special needs. We had um, hosted that event with a desire to connect with our community, and, and we did. It was a fantastic event, and we we're glad to have you participate in that as well. Uh, we ran that for a few years. We've done uh, events to reach out to mothers, uh, single moms, to, to mothers of uh, children with special needs as well, and loved on them through an event we called Caregiver's Day. Hmm. And so it's, it's constantly an evolving effort for us to, to reach out to different pockets in our community. But the, the major shift we've made over the past few years is really not about the big event, but about equipping our people to come alongside people for the long haul, which we call discipleship. And uh, so we're spending more of our energy right now trying to equip our people to gain a heart for outreach in their neighborhoods and communities and champion their efforts rather than doing it through a large group event. So more about equipping them as they go back to where they're from, where they live, as opposed to something on site at Davisville property, for example. Correct. Okay. And then, I mean, and then one of the reasons I want to chat with you is because I know you, you, David, you and Davisville have been doing these things, and I think other churches are very interested. I know our churches. How do you reach the, the Glenside corridor where where our church is based, and our hearts and minds are in that? And you, you have to use your resources wisely. Also, you could put tons of money into an event, and it's a great day, and people may even know you for that event. But in the end, you also want to be able to drill deeper with people, and if, 
you know, if it turns out people just come for the one day and never see again, you have to probably rethink things too. Uh, so exactly, yeah. So there's a lot of wisdom that has to keep going, and that's how God's Spirit leads us, right? He, you know, He's going to lead us as we keep listening and and follow along within Davisville. Like as far as the fam- the family there, people are always welcome. I'm sure. What are a few of the main things people could latch on to? Obviously, the church services themselves are. Uh, what time do they run? Yeah, we run a nine o'clock service and a ten thirty service, and they're identical. Okay. Sunday mornings. And then for Sunday school, do you have uh, one service or the other, or is it both? Or We run a uh, what we call learning communities, which they happen throughout the year. They're sporadically placed throughout the year, and they're about a six-week experience for people. Okay. And uh, we have a, a core curriculum that we kind of run through with people on those, and, and we encourage people to sign up for those six weeks. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll stop it for a month or two, and then we'll start up another cycle of our learning communities. And it also gives us an opportunity to address some very specific needs yeah. in our world today, in our community. Uh, we can also target specific demographic groups and, uh, and run a learning community just for uh, young adults, for example, or our teens. It gives us a little bit of flexibility, and, and uh, you're not locked in for the entire year of either teaching or attending a particular class. We're just we're realizing people's schedules are so fluid anymore. It's a way for us to offer some very specific, uh, focused teaching. And what's that called again, that, that, that particular set of We call them our learning communities. Okay. And those are, do they meet Sunday mornings as well, like during the service and another? They do. Okay. So people can register for one, and then we adapt the class. If there's a bunch of people who register, we'll offer two classes. Okay. And we'll offer them at different service times, so they're, they're scattered all throughout the Sunday schedule. Okay. So that's good. Different touch points for people. And how about for kids? We mentioned, um, you know, breakout on Wednesday nights, including tonight. But uh, what about uh, or has it started yet? I shouldn't say that. I know. This yeah, no, it starts tonight. Tonight is the kickoff. Wow. OK. Breakout. And it's, it's open to it's open to the public. K through five. Right. Be part of that. Yep. Age is um, kindergarten through fifth grade. OK. But then, then, then uh, the rest of the week or as far as youth group for kids or high school or junior high or whatever, how does that uh come into play so junior high meets on wednesday nights as well so it mirrors our breakout program okay and uh they start at seven o'clock and run till about eight forty-five. and our high school group meets on thursday nights again from seven o'clock to eight forty-five in our activity center which is a, a gym kind of detached from our main building well that's great uh and matt any i don't know if you have any closing thoughts on in terms of davisville or what you know the heart of davisville we shared throughout our, ch- our chat t- today and uh glad that people can now know a little bit more about it yeah, no, we we are just excited as a leadership team here about this idea of influencing people to fully follow Jesus. We we want to see people come to know him and grow in him, and, um, and we want to see his name lifted up in our community. So that's what we're about, and we're excited to uh, to pursue that vision. Yeah, that's great. Well, more info on Davisville Church based in Southampton at davisville.org right there on Street Road. You're not that far from the, the Turnpike in 95, everything, right? I mean, No, not at all. We're... About a 10-minute drive from the turnpike. We really sit on the border of Bucks and Montgomery County here. Yeah. Well, keep up the good work. It's great to catch up with you. Absolutely, Tim. Great to hear from you, too. Thanks, Matt. Have a wonderful day. You do the same. All right. Bye-bye. God bless. All right. That's Matt Rosenfeld, Davisville Church in Southampton, PA. Up next, former lead singer of Down Here and uh, current, uh, well, actually, uh, Queen Extravaganza Tour uh, lead vocal Mark Martell. It's all coming up on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 
415 on the Tim DeMoss Show. It's in my life, down here, strife, Mark Martell. In the way. Great song from them called What It's Like. Love this song because uh, it's really the idea of he came down to become one of us. You've heard the song One of Us by Joan Osborne. It has a, a kind of amusing to it. But this song actually says, well, he did. We know he came down. And he came to become one of us so he could save us. That's why I love the song. That's down here. Mark Martell, our uh, guest coming up here. And uh, he's uh, done a lot of things over the years. But let's uh, hop on here. Joe's Pizza. Jimmy. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? The world famous Mark Martell. <laughs> well, it's a Mark Martell. <laughs> Well, let's talk about you. So, yeah. All right. Hey, have you started the interview? No. Are, are, is this it? This is it. We're all done. Thanks for calling. <laughs> <laughs> it only took about three years to get in touch and arrange this interview, but it finally is happening. That is, that is a shame. Uh, I'm sorry it took this long, man. But it's like a good steak. It takes a while to cook or whatever, right? Or something like that. Absolutely. you got to be patient with these things. That's true. Well, folks will know your name from multiple sources in this uh, neck of the woods. Certainly the band down here for many years, and you've played in this area many times. Uh, in fact, you were at our church 15 years ago this November. I still have the poster on my wall. Autographed. Yeah, you are one of the, the longest-running relationships with a radio person that I can think of. Maybe the longest. Wow. What a deal. Is there a, a plaque for yeah. that or something? We could have one made up for you. <laughs> definitely deserve it. Well, as a side note, I definitely, I, I've always enjoyed you and the the other three guys, uh, you know, in the band, Glenn and Jeremy and Jason, partly because you guys all have a great sense of humor. And so it's fun to talk with you. But since those days, the down here days, which wrapped up, I guess, five, six years ago, more recently, the front man for the Queen Extravaganza, and even more recently, I guess, as an independent artist or kind of concurrent with the Queen Extravaganza, the, the two new EPs. My Way Volume 1 and The First Noel, they're both kind of the, the mm-hmm. most recent, uh, would you say, activity out of the Mark Martell world? Yeah, musically, release-wise, those are the most recent. have been big into Christmas music really ever since the Down Here days. Every year we would do a Christmas tour because, you know, you got to work even during the holiday season. Yes. <laughs> and so that's kind of how that got its genesis. But I've, I've sort of continued that even into my solo career. These days, I've been focusing on doing not like full-length albums, but EPs instead, where it's six or seven songs, so you just kind of get a taste. And and the world is changing. People aren't really buying albums for the most part anymore. So yeah, the the first Noel EP, and I did one the year before called the Silent Night EP. I'm also releasing a brand new Christmas EP, if you can believe, three years in a row. This one is called the Christmas Time is Here EP. Wow. And that one is almost done. I've just uh, finalized uh, the last mix on the last song today, and we're going to start working on the cover art. But another uh, series of EPs that I'm also super excited about is, you mentioned the, the My Way Volume 1, which was a selection of um, cover songs that um, I've loved to have huge melodies, and I love singing huge melodies, and got to do some really interesting arrangements with these tunes. And I've just finished my follow-up to that, album called uh, My Way Volume 2, the Queen EP, which is all Queen songs. We've got eight tracks on that. A lot of my fan base have been 
clamoring and asking for that sort of thing for years now. And so really excited to release that on October 26th. Coming up. We're chatting with Mark Martell. Uh, just as for spelling, it's Mark with a C if you want to find out more. And, of course, you do. Mark Martell Music. I like the alliteration there. MarkMartellMusic.com. You can find out about all of these EPs. And you were saying it's it's just kind of people's attention span is shorter, or is it partly because you're a little lazy, or what was it again? I couldn't remember what you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, the, the way that the, the music industry, the economy of the music industry has changed over the last few years, you know, there was a huge crash that the whole industry felt in the last decade yeah. because of how much easier it is for people to make their own music and to make their music available online instead of having brick-and-mortar stores. Sort of a new model that a lot of independent artists are adopting is instead of trying to get a big record deal, you, you know, save up some money or you do some crowdfunding, whatever you want to do, to gather some funds together to do like a, an EP, a shorter album. And then you're kind of touring and recording simultaneously throughout the year yeah. instead of the way it used to be. When I was in down here, it was like, let's take two months out of our touring schedule, hole up in a studio and, and knock out 12 songs. And then we'll go and tour this album, and then the cycle starts over again in a year, year and a half. So now it's more of like a more well-rounded almost, you know, because you're always in the studio, you're always on the road. It kind of keeps the muscle strong instead of it letting it atrophy for a year and a half. Mark Martell, our guest, markmartellmusic.com to find out more. The EPs that are technically newest, although there are more coming, My Way Volume 1, uh, and then also the first Noel EP, which is the second Christmas EP, and you have a third one coming out you mentioned. I just want to talk about My Way Volume 1, which, by the way, you already answered that you're not going to fall into George Michael land where he said, listen without prejudice, Volume 1, and never did a Volume 2. Do you really? <laughs> I've you, already beat him there. You've already beat him, because Volume 1 implies Volume 2. I was going to ask you that question, but you beat me to it, which is fine. You're a sports fan. You're familiar with how Joel Embiid of the Sixers is referred to as the process. If you, you've heard about no, that. No, I am not. Yeah, there's a whole thing because the Sixers were so bad for a number of years, kind of, a, you know, call it tanking, and they were not really spending tons of money to get good players to at least be competitive. And they got high draft picks out of it, which turned into several really high-quality players, including this guy Joel Embiid, who even calls himself the process. It could, because the phrase with the Sixers were throwing out is, trust the process. You have to be really bad okay. be, before you can get really good. And now they're on that really good thing. <laughs> So, uh, anyhow. Sounds like the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so there are different styles on here. You picked six different, you know, Righteous yeah. Brothers, Sinatra, AHA, Beach Boys. So what went into that? Was it, did you have a lot of ideas ahead of time? You just needed the time to do it? Or was it kind of, I know one or two I want to do, and then you started thinking of others as they came? Well, that's the beauty of the way the music industry has changed before it was important to sort of pick a style, pick a theme on your record and not go too far away from that album's sound. But now the way people, the industry is sort of singles based, it's not so weird to get from one song to the next for an artist to explore different styles, which I love because that's something that down here, we always felt a little constrained that way because we had two main writers Jason and I came from two very different musical backgrounds. So when we got into the studio together, there was just all these different sounds to pull from. And we always found it very challenging to have a cohesive sound, especially since one song he would be singing lead, the other one I'd be singing lead. 
and it, it wasn't like the Beatles where, you know, John and Paul sound sort of similar, but, you know, Jason and I had very different voice right. qualities. Right. So I'm really enjoying this new setup where I can feel completely free to explore different genres, even within like a short EP, never mind an album. You know, I've got some Sinatra on there. I've got some 80s synth pop, but it's all with my own flavor. And the way I chose the songs, honestly, there were there were a couple that I really wanted to have on the, on the album. Like um, there's a Tom Waits song on there, which is actually one of my all time favorite songs called Take It With Me. Yeah, that's a song that hardly anybody knows unless you're a huge Tom Waits fan. It's one of my favorite lyrics of all time. So that's like my one selfish song on the EP where I'm like, well, people don't know the song, but they need to hear it. I don't think Tom Waits even knows it. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, I asked him once. He's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> You'd be surprised. I talked to Toby Mac once at Creation. And just as a side note, and my brother loves his, one of his songs. I, forget, I think it was called uh, Start Somewhere about conflict. And I texted Toby, yeah. and he texted me back. He's like, dude, I forgot that one. <laughs> like, you well, do so many songs, you don't play them at every concert. So he's like, I'd love to do it. I just, we haven't played that in so long. I really wouldn't be able to do it tonight. So you got to think that someone like Toby Mack has got a, a repertoire of well over 100 songs. Yeah. You can only play 15 in a show. So right. it's a lot easier than people think just to forget songs that you actually spent days in the studio recording and writing. It's not that weird of a, of a phenomenon. I've definitely experienced that. Okay. But um, another uh, another aspect of, of the My Way Volume 1 was I actually sourced my Facebook fans to give me ideas on what they wanted to hear me sing. And uh, uh. so a lot of people wanted to hear, you know, anything by Sinatra or something by the Beach Boys. And thankfully, those are also artists that I absolutely love and um, got to stretch my proverbial artistic wings a little bit and and uh, have fun with some really well well-known tunes which is always a little in- intimidating because people have that you know uh quintessential iconic version in their in their minds yeah. like uh for my way it's everyone thinks of frank sinatra and nobody does it better than him yeah yeah mark martell is our guest uh on the tim demoss show i'll give you a little sample of what my way volume one sounds like coming out of the a little break we're going to do here, and uh, we'll continue our conversation with Mark. Also, just w- while you're at it, uh, if you want to Google Mark Martell audition, you'll get a little sample of what Mark uh, what landed him the lead singer tour, uh, lead singer position for the Queen Extravaganza tour. Mark Martell uh, audition. Google that and have some fun with that. Back in just a moment, Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. For 28 on the, on the uh, Tim DeMoss Show, let's give you a little sample. My volume, my way, volume one. Mark Martell, his cover of Take On Me. Love those horns. Where did you, uh, who did the horns for this? I worked with a friend of mine, a producer, Ben Shai, who's an incredible arranger, and I, I told him that I wanted to sort of have a big band feel for this song. Yeah. I don't know where that idea came to me. I was just walking along one day, and I thought, what if we... What if we swing this song, sort of like an old 50s big band thing? Yeah. So I thought, well, obviously you got to have horns. And he was like, oh, I love that idea. Let's do that. It just seemed really um, obvious to me somehow. Like I, I 
had the idea and already like the song was fully formed in my head, which rarely happens. Yeah. <laughs> we also referenced uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go as, as sort of an inspiration for production on that one. Okay, makes sense. And then the other, briefly, yeah. the first Noel EP I mentioned, I got them, I've downloaded them both today and I listened to them both several times each. So it's fun. Like the first one, I think it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas with Plum mm-hmm. has, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm hearing whistling on there. I'm hearing banjo. <laughs> am, am I right? It's funny because the first time uh, it was either my wife or my manager were listening to the to the song after we just finished recording it. When the whistling started, um, they said, "Hey, can you stop whistling?" <laughs> it's like they thought I was whistling along with what they were listening to. I'm like, no, that's actually in the song. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. But it's another example uh, of non traditional. Like you had the freedom to do. That's good. And the Hallelujah Chorus is also on there from Handel's Messiah. I remember you posting on Facebook about how excited you were to do it. At the same time, in a way, how crazy involved it was that you were singing 20 different, 27 different parts and having to mix them all together. Or What was that process for, the, for Handel's Messiah or from you know, the Hallelujah Chorus? Well, I, learned, I learned a lot about the process of how to do that by what I've learned from Bohemian Rhapsody okay. and uh, how Queen recorded and stacked their vocals to make it sound like a huge choir. Basically, what you do is, well, what I had was I read the music. I found the sheet music online, and I've never done that before where I find the sheet music from a choir piece and just sing all the parts myself. I was like, why haven't I done this before? This is so fun. Hmm. Um, And what you do basically is every line you do like seven times. Every time you do it, you change your voice a little bit to make it sound like it's not just one person singing, okay. which gives it that sort of mass quality. Otherwise, it would sound very thin if it was like my voice just singing normally 35 times. It, would, it wouldn't sound as much like, hey, maybe that's a choir. Doesn't, I can't really tell if that's one person or a bunch of people. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I, that was the last song that I chose to put on that EP. I was kind of at a loss because I'd already recorded all of my favorite Christmas songs before. You know, obviously I'd never taken a crack at Handel's Messiah because it seemed like, well, that's that's a dumb idea. How could I do that as a solo artist? And uh, then I was like, how about I do this as a solo artist? <laughs> so, wow. um, so you sing it seven yeah. times through, but what are you saying? Are, are you doing it like a, a up and octave, not an octave, but like up and singing in key of A or B mm-hmm. or C? Or are you just singing it a little differently, okay. but basically? So it's a choir arrangement, which has, Four and sometimes five different parts. Yeah, yeah. You know, like okay. the choir has bass, tenor, alto, soprano, right, and sometimes baritone. And so I, I recorded all of. So for example, I recorded the bass part seven times, and I recorded the tenor part seven times. And every time uh, I changed my voice a little bit. How long did it take you to do that? Is it, it took lo- me like two or three days? Okay. Doable, just not. And do you worry at all that you're like, it's not going to match afterwards? It's going to sound like a train wreck instead of what you're wanting it to be? Or is that not? Well, you can tell pretty quick, you know, if once I get through uh, the first the first couple hallelujahs and I've done the, all the vocal stacks, I can tell if I'm on the, you know, the, the right track or not. All right. All right. Chatting with Mark Martell, the former lead singer of Down Here. They had a number of Christian records out from the late 90s through early 2010s. Dan Mark auditioned for and won the position of lead singer for the Queen Extravaganza Tour. He's been doing that the last five or six years. 
also has a couple of EPs out, and we're just talking about the second of those two, a Christmas EP. Uh, let's play, since we're talking about how that whole song came together, let's give you just a little piece of what Mark, all that work Mark just put in to the Hallelujah Chorus actually sounds like. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's Mark Martell from his Christmas EP. We'll come back after a brief break and give you another clip that'll give you some insights as to how Mark came to be the lead singer of that Queen Extravaganza tour. He's a great voice. He loves the Lord, and God's using him in new ways now. Back in just a moment on AM560, WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. Each morning I get up, I tie a little, can barely stand on my feet. Take a look in the mirror and cry, Lord, what you do to me. I spent all of my years in believing you, but I just... Freddie or Marky, as in Mark Martell. It's actually Mark Martell, former lead singer of Down Here. They had a bunch of Christian records in the 90s and uh, through the 20s, uh, 2010s. And then uh, that's, if you Google Mark, M-A-R-C, Martell, M-A-R-T-E-L, audition. Just do yourself, whenever you get a chance, Mark Martell audition. That's a video that kind of changed a lot of things and started, started things going a different direction. Right, Mark? Yeah. That was the first video that sort of altered the course of my career. Um, back in 2011, Roger Taylor, the drummer of Queen, decided he was going to curate his own Queen tribute band. And so he put out an all-call for North Americans to audition for this band. Yeah. And um, I'd already drawn comparisons on a regular basis about my vocal similarity to Freddie Mercury for the last... Uh, it had already been at least... I'd say six or seven years where okay. after every show, you know, we were, I was singing my own songs, but people would say, you know who you sound like? Freddie Mercury. Like, yes, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Um, and so when I heard about this, this audition, I thought it was a no brainer. Uh, well, actually I wasn't going to do it because I thought, what if I win and I have to join this other band? I already have this other band going, but you were still uh, in down here. my wife told me I was, yeah, yeah. down here. And right. um, so, sure enough, I, I won the position of lead singer for that band. And ever since, uh, I've been doing it, – it, it's been a progression. Uh, for the first few years, it was like one tour per year, you know, like anywhere from 20 to 35 dates a year. And um, now it's gotten to the point where it's what I'm mostly doing if I'm on the road. I'm, I'm still doing my own shows, my own music. Um, actually, I have one this weekend in uh, Pennsylvania, but um, ah. it's a private show. Okay. But 
Where is it? Uh, most of the time when I'm on the road, it's Queen-related stuff, and I play in multiple bands. I'm actually not touring with the Queen Extravaganza this year because it, 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 it conflicted with my schedule, unfortunately. And they're on tour right now in America with um, a different lead singer. Okay. But um, I spend a lot of time in a band called The Ultimate Queen Celebration. We do basically a, a greatest hits kind of show, and I, I pepper in a little surprises in there. Since I, you know, I have the voice pretty well down pat, yeah. I, uh, I do a couple songs in the set that aren't Queen songs. And I'm like, what if they had recorded this song kind of thing? And so uh, I'm able to have a little more freedom and, and have fun with stuff that way. And I've started doing a lot of um, symphonic shows, actually, which is maybe the thing I'm most excited about. Uh, I've gone down to Mexico a few times, and they're bringing me back in December to perform a night of Queen's music backed by a symphony orchestra and a rock band and a 100-piece and a choir. Wow. So um, it's kept me really, really busy, and I'm super thankful for all of it. I heard you and Celine Dion hit it off pretty well, too, right? <laughs> that was mind-blowing. <laughs> well, yeah. so what was the story behind that? Well, in, in uh, Quebec, there's a TV show that is essentially This Is Your Life. It's a French show, and what they do is they bring on one artist per episode, and they honor that fairly well-known artist. Like it's, it's always a French-Canadian artist. And they honor them by interviewing them throughout the show and having them tell the story and talk about songs that are meaningful to them, like tell us about your first number one hit. How did that feel? Or what was a song your mom used to sing to you when you were a kid? Stuff like that. Yeah. And so they had finally been able to book Celine Dion because they'd never had an international artist on their show before. And what they do to prepare for the show is they give the, art the artist a questionnaire of however many questions to give them fodder to craft this episode. And the very last question on the questionnaire is, if there was one person you would like to have sing on this show, who would that be? And she actually put, if you could get Mark Martell, that would just be like the bee's knees. <laughs> uh, and so, How did she find out so, about you? Go ahead. Well, the producers called me up one day just out of the blue and said, hey, I'm so-and-so from this show. And I'm like, I've never heard of that show. I don't live in Quebec anymore. I, I grew up there, but... Lots of lots of change, and said, "Yeah, well, um, we're doing a show for Celine Dion, and she she personally requested you to come sing a Queen song." Like, what? What? <laughs> Celine Dion has heard of me? <laughs> like, I I can't think of a a second in my entire life that I wasn't aware that there was a Celine Dion. Like, I grew up with her music, you know, even more so than people in America, because I even knew about her when she was strictly a French Canadian artist, and so wow. that was. A pretty amazing moment, and even more amazing when I told my wife, who's also a gigantic Celine fan. So, um, yeah, just to, to sing for her in person, knowing that she personally requested me to be there was just a highlight of my career, for sure. That's fantastic. That's a great story. A great. And how did it go? I mean, so ultimately it went, went well? Oh, it went fantastic. They had a, a slamming house band there with some great background vocal singers, which... Somebody to love is the song we sang, and that you know you can't do that song really without a amazing choir to back it up. So it was a really great experience, and and Celine was kind of <laughs> very emotional about the whole thing, and 
and uh, it was, and, you know, we got to chat a little bit afterwards, which is, and she's really sweet and super lively woman. She kind of lights up a room wherever she goes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Mark Martell with us, our guest here, the uh, lead singer of the Queen Extravaganza Tour with the Christian Band down here for many years. A couple of EPs out as well. More, more info available on him, markmartell.com. Back in just a moment with Mark on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. 446, back with Mark Martell. When you left down here, went into uh, the Queen Extravaganza thing. Were you scared? Absolutely. There was definitely a transition time. And as a person of faith... Um, being in my comfort zone for 15 years with guys that I basically share the same beliefs about all the foundational stuff about life and uh, just traveling with those guys and being able to be open about all these questions and never feel judged or anything like that and to be able to share that faith in music. Um, it's just a really wonderful, like you said, 15 years of, of uh musical adventure and meeting a whole bunch of really wonderful people and then all of a sudden to be in this situation where I'm now in a totally different world. Um, it was it was a little weird for me. I kind of like just kind of went along with it. I'm pretty easygoing as a person. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I was dealing with things as healthily as I should have. I don't know if I need to talk to a psychologist about maybe the emotional whiplash I got from the experience. <laughs> yeah. But um I feel like I've adjusted now for sure, uh, five or six years later now. And uh, it feels very, everything feels all very second nature. And I love being in the mix. I, I love being around all sorts of people. And even though I'm, I'm around people who I may have shared different views about things, it's, it's really great to get to know everyone and, and not be so, um, you, you know, you have a tendency when you're in, in the contemporary Christian music industry to always be surrounded by the same kind of people. Um, yeah. And now that's, that's changed a little bit. And I, I really enjoy the, the diversity of it and uh, the freedom in it. And I love it. it. It was, it was a big change for sure, but in some ways it was kind of seamless. I was, I've always been doing music. Mark Martell, uh, been our guest on the Tim DeMoss show, you know, uh, and uh, what, to what you're just saying, I've known you a long time. I know you love the Lord a uh, very genuine person, and just uh, even uh, through Facebook and keeping tabs periodically, you have appeared to remain basically the same person, which is not a gimme when you go from one band to another, and especially one where you're touring the world uh, with you know at, for the Queen Extravaganza and other things that, that have gone on for you. But also, I mean, you, you've probably had some challenges with that working with Queen, even even lyrically. You know, not every song they've done, where you've had to go out and cover. Uh, you know, and and just in general, maybe the people you work with. Uh, how have you navigated those waters? And you know, I, I experienced—I was sort of a spectator when Amy Grant sort of branched out into mainstream music, and that was what in the early '90s. And that, you know, she experienced a lot of blowback from career decisions she made. But things have changed so much. I think, um, as a whole, maybe American mainstream Christianity, if you want to call it that, is. A little more open-minded now than they were late uh, in the past, and a little more maybe they're understanding more what grace is all about. I don't know. I don't know how to express that, but I'm yeah. still sort of trying to figure that out. But when I uh, decided to go do this Queen, well, these various pro Queen projects now, um, 
I've gotten a lot of encouragement from um, almost every single person who's who's told me. I, I only I can count easily on one hand how many people have said something negative about my choice hmm. to, um, to to do the music of Queen. So um, that's been really amazing. I've been really blown away by that. And and the other quick thing, because when you were with Down Here, I didn't, I don't know that I ever really thought of you in the Freddie Mercury Queen vocal. I'm thinking it occurred to me probably a couple of times, but I guess I was locked in more Down Here. As it dawned on you and people come up to you and all that over the years, and then you wind up going into the Queen extravaganza part, um, obviously you've embraced it, but uh, do you also look to have some separation? So you're not totally known that way? I mean, it's it, it's big, obviously part of what you're doing, but you have, like you said, the solo mm-hmm. record, the do you want there to be a little bit of, hey, okay, I can do that, but here's something else I can do, too? Well, there's a little bit of biting the hand that feeds you in that. It's opened so many doors for me that it's hard to see it as a negative. Yeah. Um, people are getting the opportunity to hear my voice now that would have never, I've, I would have never had the chance to sing for in the past if it hadn't been for this sort of serendipitous door of Queen's music opening in my life, which I barely was even aware of. Um, So it's... um, Really? It's it's a good thing. Uh, Yeah. So you were not... I have a hard time... No, I was going to say, you weren't... That you you were... You were not as aware of... Like, when did did the Queen connection happen for you? I guess you didn't grow up listening to much of their music, necessarily? No, I didn't listen to them at all. The first time I heard Queen was in... uh, Well, aside from... I'm sure I was exposed to We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions somewhere along the line and just not notice. But yeah. the first time I took note of them was in the movie Wayne's World, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. And okay. uh, I heard that for the first time. I was like, well, this is a peculiar song. Like, this is that classical music. And the guy just, did the guy just say he killed someone? What is this? <laughs> what kind of lyrics are these? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're, you, I, um, yeah. I was gonna... So no, I didn't. I didn't grow up with their music, but um, I I had uh, a bass player in down here who grew up listening to way cooler music than I ever listened to growing up. Glenn? And uh, he actually bought Queen's album Hot Space in 1980 when it was released, um, and which is considered possibly the weakest album, which is kind of funny, but uh, yeah. or at least the most controversial album. But um, he grew up listening to all this eclectic rock that I never had the guts to listen to because I was kind of scared of it. I didn't want to be exposed to uh, those kinds of sentiments. I don't know, but whatever you you find in, in quote-unquote secular music. And um, so he actually recommended that I look into Freddie Mercury's uh, repertoire. Sort of like in the early down here days, I'd say 2003, 2004, because he kind of got a sense that I was sort of trying to find my sound as a singer because I have this natural ability to mimic other voices. Um, I tend to default to what I think people want to hear. And sometimes instead of what I really sound like. And so he said, you know, you, you naturally sound like this guy, Freddie Mercury. You should listen to his music and figure out what you can, because you can probably do the same thing with your voice and learn from that. Interesting. Um, and, and sure enough, I, I, I bought their Greatest Tits album, and um, listened to it a few times. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see where he's coming from. This, and um, and at the same time, people had already been comparing me to 
his voice yet. I was like, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I've heard of Freddie Mercury. I've heard of the band Cream, but I don't know much more than that. So it was a bit of a journey and a discovery of some really great music. You know, they had they had music pretty well figured out in the seventies. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, a, yeah. it's kind of embarrassing to look back at how intricate rock and roll, even pop music, was back then compared to what it is today. And when you wound up doing eventually doing that audition, was it was it anybody in particular that that because you said you you did do it, but at first you weren't going to do it because what if I win? But then then why did you do it again? Yeah. I forgot to ask you earlier. Well, I consulted with with. Uh, my manager at the time, and I said, hey, do you see any uh, possible negative effects of me auditioning for this thing? And he said, no, just go for it. Why not? And even then, with his own, with his encouragement, I, was, I found myself sitting on the couch with my wife, and I had my laptop on my lap, and I had just recorded this video of me singing this song, Somebody to Love. Um, and I was about to hit send, and I was like, Babe, I, I can't do this. Like, what if, again, like, what if I win? And that was the moment where she turned to me and said, you're crazy. You're, bo- you're born for this. you got to do this. So I did it. And uh, 14.6 million views later. Yeah. That's yeah. something. Kind of nuts. That's really crazy. Well, it's a, it's a great story. And uh, how can people pray for you, my friend, as we wrap up? What, what can people pray for you about? Anything come to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's also always things to pray for. I mean, creativity. Um, I haven't been doing much of my own writing recently just because of all the busyness and the demand for uh, the, the gaping, insatiable hole that is uh, people's desire to hear Queen. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been really busy with that, but I've really started to, to long for time to sit down and, and uh figure out what I want to say in the near future. Hopefully I've, I've been hoping that 2019 is that time where I can really sort out what I've learned over the last few years and say something that's really relatable. You know, I, I released uh, a solo album a few years ago, back in 2014, I believe called impersonator, which is a tongue in cheek title. Um, and a lot of that album is about me dealing with this whole transition of, of going from, this old way of life into this new way of life. And then people always compare me to this other person. This is a very, very big thing for me to work through. And so a lot of that is on that album, but it's not necessarily the most relatable thing to write about. You know, I don't know how many people have viral videos that, that change their lives. Right. It's a bit right. of a niche market, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love prayer for, uh, to, to write things that in a way that, you know, people can, can hear them and say, me too. That's, that's the goal of the songwriter. And um, I just love to sing. And anytime I get to sing anything for anyone, it's a huge honor. But um, I would really love, uh, and, and I already am feeling that creative bug really starting to bite hard, and I'm looking into delving deeper into that. And um, okay. I want to use that precious time to make my own art wisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, as a side note, I shared your audition video with friends of mine a number of times. I actually drove Lyft last year in Uber for about nine months into the early mm-hmm. part of this year. It's a fascinating world. I just I, I want to do some shows on that over time. But uh, it became one of a half a dozen things periodically as I'm talking with people and passengers. And I find that they like, say, classic rock. And they say, you like Queen? Oh, yeah. I'd be like pulling over to the side of the road. 
So you got you got to look at this. Or I hand them my phone, and they would watch your video. It's the coolest thing to be able to say, "This is a friend of mine. And we did this. You know, his band down here. And now he's doing this Queen Extravaganza thing." And it's 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 very neat to have those you know conversation points, and uh, you know people may look you up from that. Maybe looking to down here a little bit. You never know where the seeds may land. So. Uh, That's I'm, right. I'm glad That's to, right. Well, glad cool. to have Thanks that. for doing that, man. Oh, my privilege, of course. Mark Martell been our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show. Jim Maxim leads in prayer next with Truth for Life and Alistair Begg to follow at 5 on AM 560 WFIL. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow on AM 560 WFIL. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.